This episode of Pick Up the Six podcast is sponsored by Allbirds. I've been an Allbirds customer for years because their shoes look great, they're super comfortable, and they make shoes and clothes that are better for you and better for the planet by using revolutionary premium natural materials. As a runner, I'm also looking for a shoe that feels and fits great out on a run. And so I'm pumped to tell you about the Allbirds Tree Flyer. I have a pair and they are great. The Tree Flyer is lightweight, super springy and wildly comfortable making your running efforts of all shapes and sizes feel surprisingly effortless. They provide unbelievable cushion and comfort so even your toughest runs are easier on your body. I noticed from step one when I put these on they just felt great and that's thanks to the Swift Foam midsole. It's lightweight and big on cushion and energy return. I recommend these shoes because I wear these shoes. I have the orange ones Plus, they have loads of other great stuff, too. And they're hooking you up with a free pair of Allbirds socks on your next order of 50 bucks or more. Just use the promo code PICKUPTHESOCKS. Pretty good, right? Pick up the socks at allbirds.com on your next order of 50 or more, and you're getting a free pair of socks from those guys. Lace up the tree flyer and get running today at allbirds.com. That's allbirds.com. The Mid-State Mile is a last-man-standing endurance event held in Tennessee. This yearly rite of passage is more than just a race. It's a fellowship event. Our guest today is John Gardena, and he just ran in his first Mid-State Mile, and he joins us to talk about the experience and the lessons learned. We also have a great conversation about faith and the freedom that comes with holding ourselves to a higher standard through accountability from others around us. This is Pick Up the Six Podcast. Ryan Jodis back for another episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. I've got John Gardena on the line today. John, good to see you, man. Good to finally do this, my brother. How you doing? Let's go, man. I'm doing great, man. Ready? I'm ready to roll. You look rested and relaxed after what was a busy <laughs> weekend last week, and we're going to talk about... Dude, we're just going to get to know you. We're going to talk about uh, the freedom to ascend, a book that you've written, mm-hmm. but really also want to talk about your experience at what is emerging as this incredible endurance event, but also community event in the Mid-State Mile. Yeah. And friends of ours are a big part of it. And folks that you've known for a long time, longer than I have, are a part of it. And it's one of those things that um, for the last two years, I've sort of watched from afar with some FOMO and we've talked to Jeff Forrester about it. We talked to Aaron mm-hmm. about it. And I was like, let's get John on. Cause I know he had a very meaningful weekend there, not just a mm-hmm. great long run, but a mm-hmm. meaningful weekend. I want more people to know about this event because I think, again, I'll go back to, yeah, it's a physical endurance event, but I don't know that I've seen a lot of events that have the, the level of sort of community, just building around it. Maybe that's just my perception, but you can tell us a little bit more. So we're just thrilled to get to have this conversation, talk about all that stuff today. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm just tell you what, uh, just real quick, the mid-state mile is more than, than perception. It's reality. I mean, we got there Friday night and before the 5k, Amy Stevens from Salty Bridges, she uh, prayed over everyone Mm -hmm. before it even started the 5k. So right then and there, I knew that this race is just totally different than anything I've experienced before. Yeah. So here's what it is. It's an endurance Mm -hmm. event outside of Franklin, Tennessee, John Cox, race director, uh, another guy that we know and just fortunate to get to make these connections through guys like Jeff Forrester, uh, Tim Douglas, Mighty Warrior Council, Mm -hmm. shout out to all those guys. And And to me, it's another great example of in 
in a world full of tough stuff on social media and divisiveness and evil, there's real community that gets built, I think, uh, in some of these things. And look, you know, I'm a proponent for approximate accountability as much as possible, but we are able to make, I think, real connections. And I think that's a big reason why that thing's grown. So anyways, it's this treacherous one mile loop with 340 feet of elevation gain just per lap. So tell us about Mm -hmm. it, right? Paint the picture for what it is. We're going to get to know you too, talk about your background, but on the front here, tell us what this race is, what drew you to it, right? And then we'll talk a little bit about your experience this year. Yeah, what drew me to it was uh, I was following Jesse Itzler and I saw that he was there and then Chad Wright, who I didn't know yet, and, and Mark Brown, they all, the three Warriors went up north to Franklin, Tennessee together. And I watched that race unfold, especially at the end with, with Greg Armstrong. And, mm-hmm. and those who don't know, it was just an unbelievable race that, that Chad and Greg Armstrong had. So I saw this video and I said, this race looks just different. There's something different about it. Yeah. So then I, I thought about signing up for the next year, and, but I wasn't ready yet. And that's okay. So I witnessed again, another great race between Chad and, and Luke and Aaron Dana, who came mm-hmm. in third place. And yep. just, there was, there was, and before the race even began, Jeff Forrester baptized Jason Bear the, the day before. Like, so I'm this, like, this is yeah. not like any race. No, yeah. no, it's, it's not. And it's more than a race and it's more than just a mile. So, you know, I, I, t- I put, kind of put my stake in the ground after last year's mm-hmm. conclusion of the race and i started mapping out for next year and i thought well i gotta just keep training um just to feel like i was worthy of being on that on that path of uh having a, a good day there instead of just saying hey i'm gonna try it out because i'm gonna be honest you don't know what you don't know until you get there yeah and you, you think you know what you're doing until it knocks you in the face because of the way the course is set up so you want me to talk specifically about the course or when I got there, how do you? Want me yeah. To yeah. So Fine. check this out. So, and one thing I didn't mention, we've talked about being an endurance race. It's a last man standing, right? So everybody mm-hmm. starts and it's basically you versus you. Yeah. You versus everybody else, but it's last man standing. Tell me before you talk about the course and sort of your experience there, how far Chad, I think had won it two years in a row, 2020, 2021, if my memory is correct. And you guys know he Chad, did, right? he did. Three yeah, project, former SEAL, Warrior for Christ. Just, I mean, one of the baddest dudes in the best way mm-hmm. possible, I think, on the planet. And he puts it on his sleeve every single time. It's one of the things I respect about him the most. So he's won the last two years. How, how far had he gone in those last two years? Do you remember? I mean, I know it was well yeah, over. I think it was. Right? Well over 24 hours. What were they looking at the mm-hmm. last couple of years? I think the first year um, when he ran, it was somewhere like, 34 35 hours and then i think last year was 37 yeah which put him at i know it put him at like 37,000 feet of elevation mm. and 120 miles or 119 yeah so this year with uh, chad did not run um but two guys who broke chad's record from last year was eric keenly who i had on my podcast so that'll come out next week nice. and also ultra dad whose name is justin hamilton so they both ran. Um, I mean, obviously, Ju- Justin Hamilton won it. So he ran for 40 hours, which is crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Crazy. And almost 40,000 feet of elevation. And then Eric was just right behind him. It was like 39 hours, 40 minutes. So just think oh about that. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. It's crazy. crazy numbers. 
How, yeah. how does it logistically work? So it's one mile loop. Are you heading mm-hmm. out at the top of the hour, every hour, paint the picture for us for how the, the logistics of this race actually work. Okay. So you, you have 20 minutes to get through the loop, which is 1.1 miles. And that 0.1 actually is crazy. Cause it actually is, it's, it's the most hottest spot of oh, the race geez. as you're coming it, back it, in. As you come back in, it's the hot, because most of the time, most of it's in the shade because you're in the woods. Mm-hmm. And then you come down this hill um, and you come out to just literally just total bright sun, yeah. just getting b- beat down. And you think like, ah, it's no big deal, but it makes a difference because you got to get to the corral mm-hmm. where your stuff is. And um, Dude, I've been on the leg of a Blue Ridge Relay race. And, yeah. Uh, it's leg 11 of the whole race. And if you run it before you know it you've got to cross 421 and you're finishing at this church and you can see it, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. like maybe a quarter mile away. Like you can see yeah. it's right there. It feels like it takes forever. 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 Yeah. That's kind of how that last 0.1 mile. <laughs> right. Every time. So the, the, every time it, it really, and you see people walking it because they're trying to get I their see heart see people fall down. down. It, it yep. collapses at the end of that part. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird part just the way that the terrains mm-hmm. it's all mulch and it's not flat really it's kind of a on a kind of a bend a little bit um it just i'll be honest that was probably one of the worst the downhills were the worst besides mm-hmm. the climbs but mm-hmm. that was just a well it's not, a not mental, that anything was bad it's a mental hit yeah it was too. mental and that, that's probably mental. on purpose uh i'm i'm pretty sure it is yeah so the way the course is designed is it's a quarter mile out um through i would say just a lot of just a a path um a little bit a couple streams that you, mm-hmm. you run over with some rocks traditional trail to, runners would yeah. recognize that kind of terrain absolutely absolutely then you get a quarter mile into it and then you got a quarter mile ascent and i tell you what no joke it was not, it felt like as the race goes on you don't look up because it you just <laughs> it's not a mental thing I still have to go to that point. So I would just mm-hmm. keep my head down, get to the top. You'd be a flat area and then it'd be a little bit flat. Then it would slowly start a descent and then it would be pretty, pretty hard downhill. And then it's a figure eight. So you would have an intersection at the point of your dis- descent. And then you go a little bit, maybe like an eighth of a mile where you're going pretty much flat. And then another ascent. Um, which wasn't as long, but still, it's still grueling. And then you have another descent. And then, like I said, you go to this open area where the sun beats on you and then where you go back to the, the starting line. So how it was, many, how many people? Yeah. I, I just, no, it's, how it many sounds like, you? yeah, I think there was 90. I think there was 90 wow. people. Mm-hmm. So they have to have grown every single year. I would think with those kind of numbers, which is awesome. Super excited for John and company over there for what they've built in this thing. Um, those leaders, right? So the lead guys that ultimately end up out there for 40 hours. That's crazy. crazy man. Are, are they staying together? What's the, what's the, the actual, um, you know, the loop like right when you're out there? Cause 20 minutes is 20 minutes. And I would think most folks are, you don't want to rush through it. You kind of want to use your time appropriately to conserve some energy to be able to do that. So what's it like out on the course with all those? Yeah. I mean, I, like me personally, I was for the first, actually almost every loop I was coming in 17, between mm-hmm. 17 and 18 minutes. 
that was like clockwork. Like I literally, it was perfect. The first 24 out, or I'm sorry, first 24 loops for me, mm-hmm. was just like between 17 and 17 and a half. Um, and I had my watch and I was kind of, I would know where I needed to be at the intersection, which was three quarters of a mile into the race. Yeah. Um, the loop. And I was, it's supposed to be around 11 minutes. So if I got there at 11 minutes, I knew I had, I can get back um, yeah. to the beginning in about six minutes. It's a good mental checkpoint, right? Like, yeah. Okay, I'm good. Yeah. And it was funny because uh, Justin who won it, he, <laughs> now you're bringing back a good memory, just past the intersection um, before we get to the next ascent. He's like, man, I had to just be at this tree by 12 minutes. And if I got to the tree, he picked out a tree, which yeah. was, yeah, yeah. That's, that was his everybody's strategy. got their thing, man. Yeah. So he's like, if I'm by this tree at 12 minutes, I'm golden. And, um, he was, he was just to get in a groove. So back to your question, Brian, like how did it work with all the runners? You know, I think the, the really good runners of this race were always ahead. So they were coming in probably 16 minutes somewhere in between 16 to 17 and a half, right in that frame. Um, and they were just consistent with it. It was just, because yeah. one of the things is, is that people don't realize that whenever you get in, let's say you get in at 17 minutes, then you have three minutes to, let's say, rest, hydrate, fuel, cool down, and then go back out. And I'll be honest, the first 24 miles of this race, I don't even really remember because it was clockwork. It was just yeah. boom, 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 yeah, boom, yeah, boom. Yeah. And then my cousin who lives in Nashville, um, he's like, Hey Johnny, he's like, you're almost at a, a marathon. And it like, it hit me like, Oh my God, I'm almost at a marathon already. So yeah. then he ran the marathon loop with me, uh, which was cool. And then after eight hours, then you finally get poles, which let's see, eight hours in we were, yeah, right around that marathon time mm-hmm. of, of getting pulls, which definitely helped because, like I said, I wear my watch and I have. Could my you have them whenever you want, or is there a specific time where in which they are allowed on the course? You're only allowed to have them after running for eight hours. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yep. and I think, I think probably at that point, maybe forty people were left or thirty-five, mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Because when I when I uh, when I got knocked out myself, um, I was, I think 20th yeah. and that was thir- that was 13 hours in. Do you have a crew going so, to help you through the process? Right? Yeah. It's, oh, it's a huge, lot of moving parts. Bro. Huge. Yeah. So the most important thing besides being physically ready is knowing your nutrition mm-hmm. of what you can eat or what you can't eat. So I I've learned that from other races previous, but the crew so important. Like my, my friend, Scott Kraft, I love to death who came down with me and my mom, they were both essential in helping me. So I would, we already had a plan. I would drink tailwind. Mm-hmm. Um, he would make it, he would make it up. I had to drink one. I had to drink a half a gallon of tailwind every three hours. Okay. I just did the math of 200 calories per hour, the way we mixed it, uh, making sure I got that in with the electrolytes. I'd have a salt tab every other loop I'd come in. I had a cooling towel, which helped immensely because you don't know the heat. The heat's brutal. Oh yeah. Even if you, your heart, think about this, your heart rate's going up on the climbs and you have the high humidity and you have about almost 90 degrees. So you have all these factors against you. So, um, I adapted and I wasn't planning on having a cooling towel while I ran, but it really did help out, um, keeping my, my body temperature down, but the crew, oh yeah, the crew, 
like they were on point. I would literally sometimes have a cooling towel over my head where I would just like hold my hand out and just say like rice crispy treat or yeah. honey stinger yep. or give me the salt tab. Yep. And it was like, okay, he knows me. He knows what he needs right there. And it was efficient. It literally was a well-oiled machine. Yeah. I was going to so ask like, what's going. your go-to, what's your go? Cause sometimes when you hit that 20 mile mark and, it, and most people might think, Oh, you got to be starving. Of course you're hungry. You're going to want to eat the, the stomach and the gut is a weird creature mm-hmm. in those moments, mm-hmm. but you've got to be able to get calories in. And I love tailwind too. It's great on long runs. It, it's the clean it. This is like a free ad for tailwind. It's the yeah. cleanest sports drink. I think I've ever consumed. It, it's like the problem with some of the other ones is like, you can almost taste them. This thing goes down, super yeah. smooth, which I'm just, that's why I'm a huge fan of it. And you can literally drink it all day. But you've got yeah, to get more, right? You got to get, like you said, Rice Krispie treats or Honey Stingers. Any other mm-hmm. secret food sources for you that you found that become a, a good go-to? You know, one thing uh, that they had at the race, and my mom actually brought some too, is uh, watermelon. Mm. Watermelon was great. You know, it has love. Yeah. yeah. So like they're right when you cross the line to get in to the corral, they had a, they had a table set up with drinks and food for you, for all runners to take whenever they wanted. So they had hoist there, which is a hydration drink. So I literally started doing shots of hoist too and have either watermelon, maybe every other time. Um, but no heavy foods. I cannot eat anything heavy at all while I run. So I know that that's why I keep everything light. So like I said, my, my go-tos were uh, honey stingers, rice crispy treats, watermelon, and then tailwind. That was pretty much what I used for fuel. And it yeah. worked. Yeah. I had no stomach issues. That's good. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a that that's good because if it goes south, it can be a trouble. Funny Bad. story, man. I remember a couple of years ago, my friend John Fry, organi- organizer of the Oakwood 24, which is a 24-hour endurance event in our local area. They run it through this historic cemetery, and it's a big fundraiser for a men's rehabilitation clinic in our area mm. called Healing Transition. So it's a great event, and it's one of those events that and and it's just a it's a two and a two-ish mile loop. And they just run it for 24 hours. You can run it at whatever wow. speed you want, right? You can run yeah. it at whatever pace you want. And it's one of those deals where if you go out there with them, you could look up and all of a sudden you're like, dang, I just ran 15 miles, 20 miles. Like yeah. you're just doing mm-hmm. it at a 10 minute pace and you're mm-hmm. cruising. And he does the full 24 and he's usually at 104, 108. Oh, but he wow. had a guy two years ago named Davis Jones, who's been in our podcast before. Great guy. And he was going for a hundred, his first hundred ever. And it was just John and Davis at the end. They were the last two kind of standing. And Davis got to like 94 miles and he wasn't sure if he was going to make it. And he texted his wife and she was on her way back to watch him finish. And he was like, can you go get me a double cheeseburger from McDonald's? Like, that's what that's I, hilarious. That's what I that's need right hilarious. now. He ate that thing. <laughs> And uh, Fry's wife, Jackie, grabbed him by the shirt, said, you're finishing. And they got him out there. He finished his last two laps. That's awesome. That's awesome. So everybody's got awesome. different <laughs> different ways. Of yeah, doing no, it. it's. You, you don't you know. At that point. It, to be honest, like I, I've, I've heard of people having pizzas while they're running, yep. um, you know, whatever. But I think what people have to realize if you do a long race is you got to try. You have to do the trial and error. You got with to, your right? nutrition. Yeah. yeah, because if you go say, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to try this while I go out there today. Or no, bro. You what can't do that south on you, man. You're in trouble. It, no, you, you have to try out all things prior to the race. And I definitely learned that because I had a race called the, uh, the Bigfoot, my mm-hmm. first ultra man. It's not what I ate. It's what I didn't eat. I was so malnutri- 
had malnutrition on that race that my whole body seized up after the race, um, like spasms, Mm -hmm. cramps. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why would I do that? Why would I torture my body like this? So I I just, you know, you learn. And I guess what, if I'd had that experience, there's no way I could have done very well in this race and in future races as well. So yeah, it is what it is, right? Dude, I shot myself in the foot of my first marathon. I skipped the nutrition, you know, a, a planned nutrition early in the run. Right. Cause we were just feeling good. We're out at a good pace mm-hmm. and you look back at, and it killed, I bonked big time at 20. Yeah. Hit that wall you, at 20. And I know it was because of, cause we had trained so much. It's like, why did I do that? Why in that well, moment did because, I do that? Because you feel, you feel fine. And the mm-hmm. problem is with runners is you're, you're feeling not for that moment. You're feeling for the future. Yeah. So like you're feeling for an hour later. So if you don't have the nutrition now, an hour later comes in your body, all those, hey, I'm ready um, for it. It's too late now. Yeah, it's too late, and you you start bonking. Get you get really down, no energy. Uh, and the thing is, is that I tell everyone on this podcast that you know if you're a runner or endurance athlete, like you better know your nutrition and and do a systematic format that you just stick with it. Mm-hmm. And and if you think you don't need it, you need it. So it's better to have than have not. That's for sure. Drink before you're thirsty, eat before you're hungry. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to talk more about the rest of your life, right? I know you're Mm -hmm. a teacher, author, podcaster. I'm not sure what you can't do, but before we do that, (laughs) how, how, how does the day end up for you? How's the experience end up? How far did you go? What was it like? Yeah. So, um, I had a goal going in, um, I, the most I've ever run before was 40 miles mm-hmm. and elevation gained. The most I've ever run in a race was 4,500. So oh. I thought to myself, yeah, yeah, I thought to myself, uh, well, if I could break 40 miles and if I could break 10,000 feet of elevation, that's a win for me. So, uh, I ran for 43.3 miles, uh, and I had 13,100 feet of elevation. So I wanted to experience the whole race. So the one mm-hmm. thing I, I told myself is I want to get to the intermission. But it takes place after 12 hours. And after the intermission, I, I did it. Now I know what I know now, right? I mm-hmm. laid on my back. I felt like my lungs were suffocating because I didn't have that um, expansion. So what I mean by that is if you ever ran really hard, okay, sometimes it feels like you just can't breathe. And that's how I felt. And it was from those long grinding mm. ascents. Mm. So um, two, two things I learned is one, don't lay down on my back, get up in a chair that kind of puts your feet up. Number two, I need to push my lungs more in training than just lower heart rate. Mm. Um, so I, what I would do is just, I would do once a week of like a hit workout, which I didn't do and really push my lungs to a little bit of a larger volume uh, to get used to that expansion. Cause you're really, you don't realize it, but man, it's a, almost like a tear of your lungs mm-hmm. of how much strain you go through hour after hour. Um, but I got to another part of the race that not a lot of people experience is the dark and I got to use my headlight. I went three loops and it's a different experience because you're in a, really like almost this isolation. Mm-hmm. And I run in the dark in the morning. That's, that wasn't the problem. The problem is that I was by myself and I should have stayed with somebody yeah. to have some sort of conversation. And if I would have done that, 
uh, I think I would have went a lot, lot longer because I read a, a post that Luke had who came in uh, third place this year and second last year. And he's like, oh, we were joking, having fun. We we're pushing each other. And I was like, man, if I would have just stuck with them, I probably, I know I would have went further because I wasn't only by myself in my own mind where you get distracted by conversation and you definitely go further. So just lessons learned, things that I, I know now for, for next year. That's where, you know, when you watch Chad, <clears throat> you know, to kind of go back to him a little bit, I think that's where he often looks for. And that's that yeah. warrior mindset of how, how can mm-hmm. I get a leg up here? Right. Like, can I get this guy isolated? And look, man, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. on an endurance mm-hmm. event like that. It's just you can train for a lot of things. I don't know that you can yeah. train for that. I think you've got to be able to compartmentalize. And that's look, that I mean, that's kind of a key component of a special operator. Those guys have yeah. to be able to compartmentalize. Um, yeah. and those those elite ultra athletes have to be able to do that. Like you think about the Courtney Dewalters of the world and all those folks. Oh, geez, like, yeah. They can just go into a space that I don't, I can't. Um, well, I, I'd like to think I could what? a little bit, you know, like we, we can't, but they just, they got another level, man. Well, I think, I think they do because they've, like I said, like you learn what you know, right? Mm. So once you learn something new, you, you try to plan for it. So, and, and really is like Chad did say this in his documentary, it's patience. Mm. So you can't get dark thoughts in your head. And then that's what happens is what I'm not going to win the race. These are the thoughts that go through it. I'm not going to win the race. I met my goal. Why am I doing this? Those are all bad thoughts. And when I, when I interviewed Eric yesterday, he said the best thing is your goal should not be a, a certain mileage. Not at all. Your goal should be you go until you can't go and you take one loop at a time. So if you took one loop at a time, then you're going to win better than saying like, oh, I'm going to run for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Sure. No, it totally does. Cause you, yeah. Cause you're putting a cap mentally on what you want to do instead of saying, I'm going to go until I can't go anymore. And that's something I, I wish I would have experienced, but you know, next time I learn, yeah. no, I'm not going to have a goal. It's going to be until I physically can't make it to the, the 20 minute time uh, restraint that's given to me. Yeah. We went out in 2019 at that Oakwood 24 and created a little mini documentary. It's about 17 minutes on our YouTube channel. I'll put it in the show notes. Nice. And at the very yeah. beginning of it, it was, it was a really cool experience for me because a lot of my friends are involved in the race and we were out there for every moment of it, carrying gear mm-hmm. and shooting and all that stuff and collecting footage. And it was really cool to see it. And the way it ended up with John and Davis at the end was a really neat uh, way of going about it. But at the beginning, and John is a former addict. I mean, this guy was at the bottom of the barrel. He tells you yeah. in the documentary, I'm chugging a four loco as I'm getting dropped off at this rehabilitation center. It saved his wow. life. Now he's yeah. this incredible ultra athlete and race director. I mean, it's pretty amazing. But at the beginning, he says, you know, I equate one of these 24 hour endurance events to a lot of parts of my life. And yeah. if I'm willing to take it one step at a time or one day at a time, it's just a day, mm-hmm. right? One just day a at day. a time. Uh, mm-hmm. Or in this case, it's just a mile. Right. If you're, if just, you can just amount. get your brain in that space, I think, you know, you can um, maybe try to block it all out. In fact, right. Jesus says to his friends, like, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow yeah. will be of its own trouble. Right. Today's yeah. got its own trouble. You know, kind of like just worry about today. Take it day by day. Um, no, I, 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 helpful I could, in something like this. Yeah. Cause then you get anxious. Like, and I love that you used um, that verse from, from um, 
the Bible. And, and I think it was Matthew, mm-hmm. either eight. But it's just that we shouldn't be anxious for tomorrow. We should just be present. And so what I did, I had a, I had a mantra that I said probably over a hundred times while in the course was just be present on a peaceful path mm. to get my mind because yeah. your mind wanders. So I would say it internally and then I would verbalize it sometimes out loud. Just, I would just tell myself, I know you're struggling, just be peaceful, you know, be present on this, on this path right now, because that's all you can worry about and it's all you can control. And once your mind starts to wander, that's when bad things happen. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. that's when the enemy gets a foothold, brother. That's He's exactly what happened. I, I, that's well, it's, it's like in life. I learned yep. the darkness set in. I had this picture I'll, I'll share. Um, there's this picture of me and maybe I'll, if you want to share it on your, um, sure. on your show of when this episode comes out is there's this one where I'm in the headlight, I'm looking and I look like I'm okay. And then my last loop, they took one where I'm looking straight down and it was almost like a defeat and I was mentally defeated. Mm. Um, and it's just a very strong visual for me to say, man, you, ah, oh, you, you, you just let your, you got in your head and isolation with no one around you. And that's something you could have controlled by just pushing a little bit more to be with the group. Cause you, they come in herds. Yeah. That's the one yeah. thing I would say yeah. visually, like as the race went on, the herds got smaller, but there were still herds of people together running. And once you get separated from that, then that's when it's over. Brother. Uh, 43.3 miles, 13,000 feet of elevation. I see you had a pretty successful day. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I know not you're not done yet. I'm I know just, you're not done yet. Yeah, I, no, I just, I get goosebumps just thinking about how the, uh, the goal was met, but I know that personally I, I could have sure. done better. Sure. All right. Tell us yeah. about the podcast, man. Cause you've mentioned it talked about some of those great guests. I want to make sure our listeners uh, can find you know where you're at. So tell us what you're doing over there. Yeah. So I started back in November of last year and it's called the John Gardena classroom. I think it'd be, it was fitting being a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the podcast I have is about four pillars, it's faith, family, fitness, and freedom. What? So check, I check, 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 check. check. Yeah. It. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's all just, my F3 buddies, so, you know, F3 fitness fellowship and faith. F3. Like, yep. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. And the freedom part really is, you know, really finding out the freedom um, to do things in your life of having good habits, mm. uh, whether it's financially, whether it's at, you know athletically, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's being a good father, being present, like freedom to me is allowing you to make choices that ultimately uh, make it a better space or environment for everyone around you. Mm. You, you personally first, but then going out and being a light to everyone. So I always look at it this way. So my book is called Freedom to Ascent. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a good segue because I'm going to be honest, like I've learned how to have freedom of peace. And that's another key word of peace, but also of like who you're surrounding yourself with. So like a lot of eagles, all right. And if I'm on the cover of my book, there's this big bald eagle looking mm-hmm. up. See a lot of the eagles, you know, they're not, they're not hanging with the chickens, man, or the turkeys. They're not, they're not, they don't have a restraint of freedom. They can go wherever they want when they sure. want. So that's a key in life is that people need to know that you can do more than what you ever thought possible, but you have to have a vision in your life and you have to be on a mission of why you're doing what you're doing. And if you don't have those things, you're going to be restrained in that 
in that kitchen, that kit, um, I'm sorry, that chicken coop. Mm-hmm. And so many people are in the kitchen coop and are the chicken coop because their mindset is media is gotten so far in and the enemy so far in their mind yeah. that it's so negative to everyone around them and themselves. They can't get out of the hole and it's easy to get out of the hole, get rid of all the negative and toxicity in your life and start living a righteous life by mm. having freedom. And, and to me personally, is read, read the Bible every day and go out and pursue your mission. And if you don't know what your mission is, just think about what gifts God has given you. Think about what God given gifts that you have and passions and just start laying work on that. Yep. And then you will meet great people if you choose. Obviously, it's a choice. And once you meet the right people in your life, man, you start becoming elevated and ascending to new levels. And so it's amazing to witness. Yeah. So you know, we, we have freedoms that I believe are bestowed upon us by our creator, right? But then we also Mm -hmm. do have choices. You can create your own level of that freedom. And sometimes, you know, you talked before about talking to yourself while you're on a race. And some people might be like, man, come on, this is hokey. Like (laughs) I'm going to give myself motivation. My alarm clock in the morning is labeled Mm -hmm. and it sounds silly. And so it's a phrase my friends and I used to say, uh, because one of our, one of my buddy's dads was like super intense. And the phrase is, and my alarm wakes me up and it says, you got to rise with the sun if you want to soar with the eagles. And I'm like, yeah. no, oh, some, people, some people might hear that thing. Oh, that's kind of hokey. I'm like, fine. Yeah. I don't care. It gets me up at 430 in the morning to get up yeah. and go do some hard stuff. Uh, yeah. And you can create freedom through discipline, right? Discipline oh, equals freedom. That's, oh. that's a great Jocko Willink line. You know, discipline equals freedom. It absolutely does. The hard it things does. actually set you up to be able to do more things that you want to do. Well, you know what, the, the, what I was thinking about post-race was this, like, you know, more times that you put yourself into situations or experiences that are difficult, other things that you thought were difficult before mm. become easy. So here, here, here's an example. I, I said, I used to hate doing the trash on Monday after a long day of work. And I have, I have a lot of animals in my house and you have to do all this, these tasks that were awful. So I shifted my mindset once I started running and, and doing um, push-ups every day and pull-ups and really just grinding physically that I said to myself, this is ridiculous that you think doing a task or these tasks for 15 minutes to maybe half an hour that you get, I used to get, I mean, mad, like really mad. And now I changed my mindset. This is easy. You are choosing to be emotional about it. That was the problem. And once you have emotions yeah. into situations, then your, your mindset becomes corrupt. So think if anyone listening to this right now, what things are you very emotional about? And stop being that way. Start thinking about the process, what needs to be done, how to do it efficiently with a joyful heart. Seriously, even if it's picking up crap, and that's yeah. what I'm talking about, literally. Yeah joyfully because you're making a situation better for your animals and your family in an environment that's you know healthy instead of being like selfish and be like, well, why do I have to do this? Why is it me? Be responsible. Yeah. Yeah. Do the, do things that suck. And once you start doing more things that suck with joy, there's a pivot that goes on in your mind and in your soul that says, you know what? I'm blessed to be able to actually do these things mm-hmm. because I have legs to walk and hands to, to work. And I'm telling you what, what a difference it makes in your mindset. 
totally different. Yeah. Do joy, things, it's joyful. Yeah. It's joyful and it's removing yourself. Right? Yes. It's removing you out of the center of the universe. And that's what's hard for a lot of people because the ego gets mm-hmm. a hold and mm-hmm. it's sometimes it's hard. You got to disavow yourself of that notion, big, and you're not the center of the universe. And so, you know, you and I might say, listen, I can find that perspective and I can find that joy and I can find that ability by reading scripture, which I know helps me quite a bit. Let's say it's not your thing. Let's say it's Mm -hmm. not your thing. I would advocate that it, that it could or should be, but if it's Mm -hmm. not, maybe you just take a minute. I was talking to uh, Janelle McCauley about this the other day. She's talking about mindfulness. She says, you know, some Mm -hmm. people take 10 minutes to meditate. She takes 10 one minute breaks throughout the day to meditate and Mm -hmm. just think, Mm -hmm. take a breath, Mm -hmm. center on your breathing. Try not to think about Mm -hmm. anything else other than your breathing. I bet when you do that, maybe your thoughts can at least go to your concentrica. What can Mm -hmm. I do to serve my spouse? What can I do to serve my children? What can I do to serve my community or just how I'm grateful for my spouse, my children, my community, whatever, and just get yourself out of there. (laughs) That's great. You know what? That it's so true because when I wake up every morning, I always tell myself, I literally do this every morning uh, and, and not my whole life. So what I do is I wake up with a grateful heart and I, I look to my wife and usually there's a kid in bed <laughs> by that sure. time. And I always, I wake up and I said, you know, thank you, Lord, for, for giving me all these blessings and mm. for all these things that I've always wanted in my life when I was younger. And now I have them. So never let me take it for granted. Mm. And then I go downstairs and I pray. And I've been doing, I've been doing the prayer, Brian, since 2015. You want to talk about a game changer? Like if you, if you wake up and pray immediately, you are honoring the father. And when you do that, he'll honor you. Mm. you okay. So you're giving him time to get to know him and have an actual relationship with him. It's not about going to church once a week. It's about having a relationship every day. And the stronger that relationship is with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, guess what? Then they dwell in your heart and in your soul. And once that happens, you could actually become more of the salt and the light to others because they get to witness the heart of Christ. Yeah. I mean, people, people are, and this is the one thing, and I'll, and I'll go back to the race because this is very important. This is a very, this is probably the most important thing about the race. We're going to talk about the fellowship. So when Scott Craft and I came down, we have never met our friends like Jeff Forrester, Mike Bellini, mm-hmm. Tim Douglas, Aaron Dana, you know, Ben Goins, all these guys we met the first day when we got to the race. And as we came home that night, to, uh, we had a cabin. And Jeff Forrester came with us because I said, buddy, yep. I'm not letting you sleep in a tent. I have an extra bed. Take a shower, you know, get some food so you're ready for the race day. And when we were driving home, Scott was like, you know, John, these guys that we're hanging around with, okay, are exactly who they are online. We never met them before. Yep. So through Instagram and yep. through our, our, men's, our men's group, yep. the authenticity of the character of who they are is so it was so clean and crisp that there wasn't a break in like i'm the john gardine on instagram showing off like you know how i am this way and then when i'm around you in 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 the flesh i'm different so i we learned this character matters okay who you are 24 7 is probably one of the most important things to be an authentic christian especially Mm -hmm. because most people hate Christians who go to church Sunday 
And then guess what? On Monday, they're pissed off at the world, yeah. talking, swearing. They're all, they, you know, drinking. They're, they're yeah, what's that song, right? Like, what if the church on Monday was the church on Sunday, too? Yeah, right. You know, like, you're just going to go right back to those habits. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. And that's why uh, Christianity gets a bad rap because there's not, there's non-authentic Christians. So to be authentic as a Christian, you have to have character and it's got to be consistent. And that's what I love about the people in my circle is I have those people there and they push me to become a better person. And they call yeah. me out when I'm not doing the right things. Yeah. I'm, bro, I hear you loud and clear and I'm not trying to make too big a deal out of it. And I hope this doesn't sound hyperbolic because I don't mean it to. I believe that the creator is aligning people like you and Jeff Forsters of the world because there is some spiritual war play at hand and he needs oh, his yeah. warriors ready to lock shields to battle mm -hmm. against it. Um, and, and I firmly believe that in my heart. Uh, and so uh, what uh, can we be doing every day to continue to uh, sharpen the blade a little bit and be ready for whatever's coming around the corner? I would say this for, for everyone you want to, if you feel like just, I'm going to parallel back to my race, like mm -hmm. in isolation, that's the enemy. Okay. You not, nothing good happens in isolation. So that's why it's so important to have a strong group of, of men or women in their, yep. in your life. Okay. Get in the word, be around great people and literally love on people without judgment and grow. Grow in your faith, grow in your, in every area of your life. But if you don't have the right people in your life and it doesn't have to be family members, like my family is awesome. I'm so loved and supported by my family, but some people don't may not have that. And they say, well, if my family doesn't love me, then how can someone else love me? Dude, there's so many people out there that would generally give their life for you. Yep. You're just not, you're not asking or you're not, you're not stepping out of your comfort zone to meet new people. That's the problem. I, I would make the argument realize. that you need people outside of that concentric family. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. That's where I think some additional candor, right? I, I'm going to hold yeah. you to a hard truth, but I'm going to hold you to it because yes. I love you. Right. I think yeah. that comes with you. What, what we call in the F3 world, a shield lock, right? A shield lock yeah. is three to four guys that can get around you, that can get their hands dirty with you, that can actually help you do parts of life because yeah. of real candor and love because you love those people. And because we're proximate, we're purposeful and periodic, right? Because we meet yeah. with that kind of intentionality. Uh, and I think that's important. Check this out, right? I love you. We've never met in person before. No, I can tell. Yeah, you I friend, love you right? too, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? And so like, let's lean into that space a little bit and see what we can do to keep picking everybody else's six up. Right. <laughs> That's, That's right. <laughs> My brother, That's we right. could do, we could do this all day. You got little ones. We got things to get to. So I can't keep you on here all day. I'd love to, we could Rogan style this thing, but, yeah. but maybe you come back and we dig in. Cause I'd love to talk about 40 days of deliverance too, at some point. Yeah. I'll just end with that. Uh, yeah. uh for, 40 days of deliverance uh, starts next, uh, well, next month. Okay. At the beginning of the month. And I would, I I'm starting, this is my third time running the session. Mm -hmm. I actually wrote a devotional for it. I just got the email this morning that it's published on Amazon. Um, so it, it can be available to purchase, but just like we talked about the fellowship and the people in your life, uh, I have met like my friend Cornbread and Chris Fabish and, mm -hmm. um, man, I got Josh Robertson. I'm just thinking I, I I've had so many great people. My father, my father's been loving this because there's this fast period where you get really in tune with the spirit. But here's the point is that God commissioned me to do this program gave me a vision back in May of 2021. 
And uh, I'm just being obedient to what he's, he's advised me to do. Uh, we have people now in Canada and, and Great Britain. Um, I, I've been given the vision that it'll be worldwide. But what it's supposed to do is to give you disciplined obedience and fellowship. And this book, finally, all right, so I wrote my first book and it was published Freedom to Ascend in April. This book is already published now in June. So these things I just give to God because he's been allowing me to use my gifts to do this for him, for his kingdom. So this 40 days book, um, you could be with me uh, during the journey, but also I believe all, you could do it with other people, not separate of the group. Mm. Does that make sense? Like yeah. as long as you have the book, yeah. the books, the book is the manual. So you, you got to do it. Yeah. You can. Um, it's recommended to go through one time at least uh, with my group. If not, it's okay. You got to be with someone else though, because you have accountability partner. You can, and, and now see Jesus, when he had his disciples, when they would go to a town, he would never send them by themselves. They would go in pairs. And there was a reason for that. And I love Jesus's leadership is because he knew that if in case the enemy came, whether spiritually or physically, that they were, they had each other's back, right? And that was so important. And this is what I love about this program is that you have love and support from the group that's like I've never seen before. I've never seen a group of people be so bonded. And when I was at the race, uh, my friend Cornbread, uh, he came out of nowhere. Literally, he told me he wasn't coming because his cousin got hurt in a bad accident. And he went to the hospital with his wife and he came about six o'clock that night um, to, at the race. And I was elated mm -hmm. to see him and his wife, Ann. Now, let me ask you something. How many groups are you a part of that someone would literally come and drive to see you to showcase your best effort or I've just got, to come got see one. you? Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I've seen that play out in my life through F3 for what these yeah. guys are able to selflessly do. But you're right. It, it, few and far between at that level of depth, right, of connectivity. I hear you loud and clear. Brian, I'll just tell you this. I have if all the wisdom I've learned in my life. There's nothing greater than to see someone pour out their love and support for you mm -hmm. and, and reciprocal of that. And I, it's amazing because you witness the heart. I like, keep going back to this, the heart, you witness the heart of Christ within that individual mm -hmm. and that selflessness. And it's a, it's so beautiful the way you feel so body and spirit when that occurs, that that was a, that was a very high point. And I didn't mention earlier yeah. when cornbread came, cause it was like a lift of my, literally a lift of my spirit. Um, and he was there helping me. He literally was there helping me with my polls. Yep. Uh, and it, I'm telling you what, I, there's no better experience than people being there for you. So everyone out there, I'm telling you, you don't have a group of people in your life. You have an opportunity, whether it's 40 days of deliverance to meet people, uh, you know, there's a groups out there, but you need to get in a, a group or else you're just living in an isolated area of your life. You're not making progress and you don't have fulfillment and everyone needs to be loved. You yeah. have to. There's no greater love uh, than a man that's willing to lay down his life for his friends. And it, I don't think it means you ultimately have to perish. I think no, laying I down your life for your friends means, yes, it means that, but it also means doing something outside of yourself, doing yeah. something for someone else. Put, I, I can lay down my time for you. Yes. That's, and you know what, Brian, the more and more I learn about people, is that this? I'll stop here because I know we yeah. go forever. Yeah, yeah. Think if, if you could literally shut off bad relationships in your life, 
just shut them off. Like you don't have to be rude about it. Shut them off. You know, they're toxic because they're not the people who are going to help you grow. So number one, turn those people off, turn Mm -hmm. the media and toxicity of whatever else you're listening to off. Focus on what you can control. Pick a new group of people. It could be just one or two people to start. Pick a new group of people through a group or you join a group, you know, go, like I said, go outside your comfort zone to find these people. Start being around people who are going to elevate you to the next level of your game in life. Yep. And then you got to, you got to read and apply, read and apply the Bible first, other books to apply them in your life. Cause the worst thing I hear what people do is I've read this book. I read this book. I read this book. I go, well, what are you doing with these books? Yeah. Are you applying any of this knowledge? It's a lack, that's a lack of wisdom in my eyes. If you're not actually applying what you're learning, right? So I know I'm, I know I'm tracking in the book when I got a highlighter yeah. in hand, like mm-hmm. it's like a textbook. It is pulling pieces out, brother. We can, so do as, this, we could do this all day. Yeah. So here's what I'd say, right? Uh, like yeah. what you hear guys, go find the John Gardena classroom, right? Go get freedom mm-hmm. to ascend, go check out 40 days to deliverance. You can also find them on Instagram. It's J Gardena, G R D I N A O four. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the Instagram account. Yep. And, uh, and that thing's open. And, and, and Brian, the, uh, we just, cre- uh, Tim Douglas and I, he helped me create my website. It's just johngardena.com. Love it. Uh, I'll have information on there, whether it's for 40 days, my book, uh, my story. And I just want to say, you know, I'm blessed to have a beautiful wife. We have four amazing children. And you know what? The best thing as a father that I get to witness is, is weeks like this where both mm-hmm. my sons got a game ball for baseball. Mm-hmm. They, they beat the Ninja Warrior course I built for them. <laughs> and literally, it's like it's, it's, a, it's great to be a loving father mm. because I get to see them become just better human beings for not only our family, but for our society, which need, which is so desperately needed. We need to, as a, if you're a parent, a father, especially you need to become and emulate characters and behaviors that your children need to mimic. They have to, because if you're not doing it, guess who's doing it? Other people, someone else's. And then in school, sometimes you they have there's poor teachers, there's bad behaviors. So you need to be the leader of your household and you need to be the one showing them how to get the job done and, and be present with them. Be present, but we forget that. So everyone out there, presence is essence. It's a gift. You have gifts that you have in your life. So go out and exhaust those gifts for good. Well, so brother. Like that. that's it. That's it. Drop the bomb. I'm, I'm stopping there. <laughs> oh, what a great episode. I'm so glad we're able to do this. Uh, long overdue, but also just great timing coming off of what I know is an impactful event in your life uh, and yeah. something that you'll carry with you for a long time. And I, and I get the getting, we'll probably see you back out there again. Absolutely. Great. He's John Gardena. Pre- yeah, you got it, brother. Uh, have a great day. He's John Gardena. Hey. I'm Brian Jodis. That's been this episode of Pick Up the Six podcast. <laughs>